In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Uh, once upon a time, I consecrated a peanut butter and jelly sandwich. Uh, let's hope our bishop is not watching today. Uh, forgive me, Father, if you are, but allow me to explain. Uh, this was back when I was a curate. I was at the Church of the Ascension in St. Agnes in Washington, D.C., and our church was about a block from Franklin Square. And every week in Franklin Square, right there in the heart of the city, uh, the square hosted what we called street church. And uh, we would gather in the square to celebrate the Eucharist. Um, someone would prepare a meal, and then we would all share uh, the meal together. So on this particular day, I was the celebrant. I'd only been a priest, I think, probably for a few months, I guess. And uh, the service went about as well as could be expected from a wet, behind-the-ears cleric. I distributed communion. Uh, and then, like a good Catholic, I consumed all of the leftover hosts uh, very reverently. And then, uh, we got to the end, I gave the blessing, we served the meal. And as we were serving the meal... Uh, one gentleman came up and said that he had come late and hadn't been able to make his communion. So I had a problem. I had no more hosts to bless. I hadn't brought enough with me. So this guy wanted communion, and I was not about to send him away uh, empty-handed. So you guessed it. I grabbed a sandwich. Uh, I prayed over the peanut butter and jelly. And then I gave it to the man with the words of administration, the body of Christ, the bread of heaven. Only afterward did I become concerned. What had I actually done? Uh, could a peanut butter and jelly sandwich actually become the body of Jesus? Uh, what did I do? Segway. Uh, enter a different priest. Uh, this is a man named Kenneth Leach. Uh, Father Leach had been a hero of mine, someone that I had read. Uh, he was a priest from London. And he embodied in himself the Anglo-Catholic commitment to justice and mercy for the poor. Uh, he died back in 2015. But uh, around the time of the peanut butter and jelly incident, he was about to speak at a conference in Washington, D.C., and I had a ticket. So I knew that he had impeccable Anglo-Catholic bona fides. I knew he loved the poor. So when I had a chance, I pulled him aside and asked him, I told him about the, the peanut butter and jelly and, and asked him if I'd done right. And predictably, of course, he said, yes, I had. Uh, I, I think that he asked, what would love have had you do in the moment? That's a great question. What would love have you do? And uh, I told him that love, I didn't think love would let me turn the man away. And so Father Leach said, then your conscience should be clear. You feed the man in front of you with a peanut butter jelly sandwich and with the bread from heaven. And then I remember he said, let God sort out the details. I tell you that story not because it has anything to do with our readings for the day, but because I want you to know Father Leach. 
I want to introduce you to Father Leach because he wrote a book. Uh, it's one of uh, it's my favorite of the books that I've read of his. Just a really thin volume called "We Preach Christ Crucified," which you'll recognize from what Russ read today from the first letter of Saint Paul to the Corinthians. And I am borrowing from this book, from a sermon that he preached on this passage, in my own homily. And so, using Father's words, I want us to see three strange things. First, a strange remembrance. Secondly, God's strange work. And then finally, our strange calling. A strange remembrance. God's strange work and our strange calling. First, a strange remembrance. For Jews demand signs and Greeks desire wisdom, but we proclaim Christ crucified, a stumbling block to Jews and foolishness to Gentiles. No one can say for sure, no one knows for sure how many people that the Romans crucified in the first century. Uh, the number was, is enormous, in the tens of thousands at least. Um, but one thing about all of those people is that almost all of them have been completely forgotten. Totally forgotten. Father Leach calls them part of the immense historical mass of the anonymous dead. In fact, crucifixion was designed to do that. It was designed to eliminate the victim. The body would often be left on the cross for days to be consumed by the vultures. It was the form of execution for the lowest of the low, for criminals and slaves insurrectionists and revolutionaries for wannabe messiahs. If you posed any threat to the empire, you had to be put down. And killing with a cross was designed specifically to dehumanize, to so degrade the memory of the victim that the victim was wiped completely from the public consciousness. Not so with Jesus. Of all of the people that were crucified in the first century, Jesus alone is remembered. And not as a failed Messiah, he's remembered as the crucified God. St. Paul, in this letter, puts the cross at the center of his ministry, even at the center of his very life. He says, I resolve to know nothing among you except Christ and Him crucified. That's why the cross is the center of uh, our church, why, we, why it hangs in the center of our worship space. It's the central image for Christianity. And it's why we do what we do here this morning, why we do what we do here every day. When we celebrate the Eucharist, we do this in remembrance of Jesus. We remember our Lord. That is our strange remembrance. And it means absolutely nothing to the world around us. It makes no sense. John Stott, in his book on the cross, 
says that there is no greater cleavage between faith and unbelief than in their respective attitudes to the cross. Where faith sees glory, unbelief sees only disgrace. What was foolishness to Greeks and continues to be foolishness to modern intellectuals who trust in their own wisdom is nevertheless the wisdom of God. And what remains a stumbling block to those who trust in their own righteousness proves to be the saving power of God. The saving power of God. Which brings us to point two. To the strange work of God. We proclaim Christ crucified, St. Paul said. A stumbling block to Jews, foolishness to Gentiles, but... To those who are the called, both Jews and Greeks, Christ, the power of God, and the wisdom of God. So I was writing and thinking to to think about um, memory, to think about remembrance, and then to overlay that with thinking about the cross should probably bring to mind uh, a certain thief. As he was dying on a cross next to Jesus, the the man that we call sometimes the good thief, had one request. Remember what it was? He asked Jesus, remember me. Remember me. Which is a strange request, uh, a dying man asking another dying man to remember him. It is strange unless, unless... Something else was happening on Jesus' cross other than just the dying. Last Lent, uh, our parish read Fleming Rutledge's book uh, on the crucifixion, but in her much more concise but also moving book about the seven last words, uh, there's a passage where she's talking about this encounter between these two condemned men as they were hanging on their respective crosses. She says that somehow the crucified criminal on Jesus' right was enabled to see something that day that no one else saw. He saw Jesus reigning as a king and determining the destinies of people, even in his tormented and dying state. To see him that way is to see him as he truly is and to understand the source of his power, not by signs and wonders, not by magic and dazzlement, not by shock and awe, but only by an ultimate act of God's own self-sacrifice does Christ rule. His power is made known only through his death. When we look at Jesus' cross, we, when we peer into the heart of things, we see Jesus not in glory, but in disgrace. But in His defeat, achieving His victory. There's a, a Holy Week hymn I love called, The Royal Banners Forward Go. And the third verse dates all the way back to the 6th century. And it says... Fulfilled is all that David told. 
In true prophetic song of old, amidst the nations God, saith he, hath reigned and triumphed from the tree. From the cross, Jesus is reigning. That's the Christus victor theory or motif of the atonement of the cross work of Christ. And it is the strange work that God does on the cross. So we pray today, we have no power in ourselves to help ourselves, but with His own right hand and with His holy arm, He has gotten for Himself the victory. Jesus is saving the world. His death looks foolish to the world around us, but for those of us who are called, it is the power to save those who believe. One last point. We talked about a strange remembrance and then God's strange work and then point three, our strange calling. For since in the wisdom of God the world did not know God through wisdom, God decided through the foolishness of our proclamation to save those who believe For God's foolishness is wiser than human wisdom, and God's weakness is stronger than human strength. In the aftermath, the days following Jesus' death, many people called Him a fool. In fact, one of the earliest images that we have of the crucifixion of Jesus on the cross uh, is now in the Palatine Museum in Rome. Uh, it's, it's actually a piece of street art. It's called the uh, Graffito Blasphemo, the blasphemous graffiti. And it's a picture of, it depicts Jesus, almost like a cave painting. It's a picture of Jesus hanging on a cross, and Jesus has the head of a donkey, the head of an ass. And in Greek, the inscription reads, Alexamenos which is a name, Alex Samenos worships his God. Just like Jesus was meant to be mocked on the cross, this piece of art was meant to mock a Christian named Alex Samenos. St. Paul said, we are fools for the sake of Christ. That's the calling that you and I now share, that we have. Here's how Father Leach said it in words of, that are better than mine in We Preach Christ Crucified. He said that in some way we are all called to be fools for Christ's sake. The word of the cross will not make sense apart from this willingness to take the form of a fool. We come always before the cross as fools, as disciples of this messianic fool who entered Jerusalem on an ass and died in apparent failure as an act of supreme folly. A church which owes its origins to the cross cannot, if it is to be true to its nature, be the slave of worldly norms and stereotypes. Conformity to the world is a betrayal of its foundation in folly and in contradiction and of its necessary role as a community of contrast and of dissent. 
Let me end with this. Uh, Michael Card is a Christian songwriter. Uh, I know he lives around here somewhere, but I'm not sure exactly where. Um, I have not met him, although I've exchanged a couple of emails with him. I haven't met him yet, although, to be honest, I look for him almost every time I leave the house. Um, He is one of my favorite artists, and he wrote a song 40 years ago that uh, it's about the strange work of God and the foolishness of the cross and about what that means for how we now live in the world. And so today, if I may, I'll just end with his words. When we in our foolishness thought we were wise, he played the fool and he opened our eyes. When we in our weakness believed we were strong, he became helpless to show we were wrong. So come lose your life for a carpenter's son, for a madman who died for a dream. Then you'll have the faith his first followers had, and you'll feel the weight of the beam. So surrender the hunger to say you must know. Have the courage to say, I believe. For the power of paradox opens our eyes and blinds those who say they can see. And so we follow God's own fool. For only the foolish can tell. Believe the unbelievable. Come, be a fool as well. Only a fool loves his enemies. A fool is stripped to clothe the beggar. A fool dies so that others may live. At St. Bartholomew's, we have no other message except Christ crucified. No other power except that of the cross. So ask with Father Leach, what would love have you do? And come be a fool as well. Consider that an invitation. In the name of the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit. Amen.